we ask, would you touch us with your presence? Would you fill our hearts with your spirit? Would you speak to us? Why don't we just take a moment, just while we're here in this moment, just to come to God and say, God, I give it to you all. I give you all my life. Perhaps you've withheld things from him. Perhaps you haven't trusted him with certain things that you thought, God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about my relationship. God doesn't care about my money. God doesn't care about my mental health. God doesn't care about my house situation. And actually, the Bible says that he cares, he sees, he draws near to the brokenhearted. Provides everything that we need. Just take a moment. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to just engage with God now and just say, Lord, I want to commit my life to you again. Disciples were with Jesus in a boat, and a storm came up, and they were terrified. And they, Jesus was asleep in the boat, and they woke him up and said, "Don't you care? We're going to drown. Don't you? Don't you care?" And uh, Jesus just shouted at the storm. So he shouted like you might shout at a dog, "Get down! Stop it!" And immediately said it was dead calm and Jesus was always with them and he was just teaching them that even in the midst of a raging storm of uncertainty of circumstance that you mightn't choose that he is with you and it makes all the difference it's not an emotional kind of trick it's a present reality for some I'm guessing that's real today it's like where are you where are you Jesus would be your cry don't you care don't you don't you get it don't you get my circumstance and Jesus is with you why don't we just just as James has encouraged us let's just maybe just shut your eyes it's not just all about reading is about receiving too, hearing and receiving God's presence. Father, we thank you for the promise of your
your presence. Thank you, that's what the disciples needed to know. That's what they came to understand. He is with us. Thank you that your commanding promise over us is I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Never going to abandon you. Never going to be alone. Never going to be a storm where I just duck out. Never. No matter what you do, no matter what you think, I am with you. This is promise. We thank you that you seal the truth of who you are by sending your spirit to us. Pray again. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Your command to us is to be being filled continually be filled with the Holy Spirit the presence the power of God come do that again Lord Jesus fill our hearts let us experience the embrace of God come and invade our busy minds with your presence we pray Every moment I'm awake 
welcome you. You're very welcome, particularly if you are new to City Church. Great to see you. Thanks for coming. Um, obviously, because of COVID restrictions, we can't kind of hang around in this building once uh, our meeting is over. But if we go down those steps out to that door, uh, we can meet outside. So it'd be great to see you, to catch up, see what, uh, uh, what you're up to, and if any way we can serve you. Um, there are, as I said at the beginning, there are lots of resources that are on our website, lots of resources, particularly for younger people and children. And so if you'd like to uh, look at those, find those, that's underneath uh, the screen on YouTube or on our website, and you can find out what uh, is going on there. Lots and lots of things to do. Some people, what they do is they watch this one live, and then they, uh, they do the stuff with the kids a bit later, or the other way around. Uh, each of those things kind of works. So uh, do make, uh, make most of those if that's appropriate for you. One notice today, and that is we have a prayer meeting this evening. Uh, at 8 o'clock on Zoom. We've been praying every, in fact, every week all the way through our pandemic. It's been great to pray together Saturday mornings and Sunday evenings alternately. Really good to gather to pray. So important that we do that, believing that God answers us when we ask him. And also recognizing that as we put ourselves uh, intentionally in the presence of God, that we grow, that we are strengthened. So I want to encourage you to come along, to get there. It's just an hour, and we'll be led through by Jamie this evening. Uh, on Zoom, so we're going to do that. Now, we're going to take a short break now, and while we do that, there'll be some notices going up about giving, so if you'd like to give to the church, I do encourage you to do that. Uh, it gives you all the details you need on the screen, and then Clary's going to come and speak to us uh, about, we need to talk about mental health, so excited for that. We'll see you in a minute's time. Now, you guys go relax for a minute, because uh, there's a screen gone up. <laughs> talk about...
Julia, and it is my pleasure to be joined by Clary. And we are briefly going to talk a bit about pastoral care. So to start off with, just to share our vision that we really are wanting City Church to be a church family that shares life together, where we can talk openly about our struggles with trusted people, where we can care for each other and receive help. And we know that we do, this happens in all sorts of ways, in strong relationships, through connect groups, but we also realize that there might be times of particular struggle where people need additional support. And for that reason, we have a pastoral care team. So we have staff members who are part of a pastoral care team, and we also have pastoral care teams that are attached to each of our three sites. And as of March this year, I'm very pleased to say that Clary has taken on the role of being the lead for pastoral care at Cotton. So we quickly wanted to let you know about how you can access help from the pastoral care team. So again, what we recognize is that much of the time people will be receiving help from those that they know and possibly from connect group leaders. But the most direct route to receiving help from the pastoral care team is via our email address. And that is pastoralcare at citychurch.org.uk. And that email address comes through to me in the first instance and then I will be able to discuss with the various teams how people's needs can best be met. So that might be a conversation with Clary. And Clary, I just wanted to welcome you as leader of the Cotton Site team and maybe offer you the opportunity to introduce yourself and say something about your vision for your involvement in pastoral care. Thank you, Julia. Um, so I'm Clary. Uh, by training, I'm a cognitive behavioural therapist for the NHS. And, and I guess my personal passion and interest is in helping people in their mental health. Um, but of course, we recognise that pastoral care covers not only mental health needs, but a whole range of extra needs, whether that's, you know, becoming a, a new parent and needing extra food or going through a tough time in your family life or your work life or, or any point where you feel like you just need some more people to stand by you and stand with you. And we absolutely want to be there supporting each other. And so kind of at Cotton, we've got a really fab band of people who are, are there to be contacted, who will come and, and talk and help make sure that you're getting the right support and, and putting their support around you or signposting you to the place where you'll be really helped. And we also want to make sure that kind of the people doing that, but also everybody who is offering this care, like Julia said, so many of us, we're in really good relationships and we're really supporting and helping people. And we want to make sure that all of us who are offering this help are themselves supported. So whether that's because you're a connect group leader or it's because you're doing it as a friend or because you're particularly pastorally gifted or you've got that real heart for helping people yourself. We really want to make sure that you're feeling connected in and that you're feeling supported and that you're feeling trained and equipped to do that as well. 
so we'd say you know if you want some more support absolutely email on the pastoral care at citychurch.org.uk but also if you know that you're providing the support for someone and you want to join in and you want to be more kind of knitted into the team please contact us as well and um, because we really want to make sure that you kind of you've got access to all the training and all the support that you might need thank you so much clary that's super helpful so hi everyone you now get to have me live as well as on the video. It feels like a lot of me, but I'm hopefully that's okay. Before I start talking this morning, I'd like you to do me a favor. If you could get your phone out, if you're here in the building, or if you're at home, just open up a new tab um, on your screen and go to Slido. That's S-L-I.do. And when you get to Slido, you need to enter the number eight five six one nine hopefully that will come up on the screen as well so it's sly.do and it's eight five six one nine and if you answer the question how are you feeling as we come out of lockdown you can just put a one word answer name and emotion anything you like um, and you can answer the question more than one if once if you would like to um, I know some people have already answered from the Thursday email earlier this week, so thank you for that. So, that's sly.do and it's 85619. If you just put your answer in. Whilst you're doing that, um, as the video said, I'm Clary. I'm part of City Church. I've been here 17 years now, we worked out. I attend at Cotton with my husband Simon and our three children. Uh, by profession, I'm a therapist, a cognitive behavioral therapist, and I work for the NHS. Um, and today, we're going to be preaching on mental health, but before we do, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share some of my heart and what I know is also your heart for mental health. And I just ask that you would speak to us as we listen and meet together today. Amen. So... James asked me to preach on we need to talk about mental health. And that immediately gave rise to two questions for me. One, what do we mean by mental health? And two, why do we need to talk about it? So by way of introduction today, I'm going to answer those two questions. Then I'm going to be talking about our mental health, and in particular, our emotions and what I believe God would say to us. And finally, end with how we can apply today's message. So what do I mean by mental health? Is it the same as mental illness? And to answer this question, I've stolen a flab slide from Kintsugi Hopes. If you could put the first slide up for me, please. Um, so as you can see from this diagram, it puts mental illness and mental health on two spectrums. Um, so going from left to right, we have being diagnosed with a severe mental illness. So perhaps something like a psychosis or bipolar disorder through to more common diagnoses like depression and anxiety, and then through to no diagnosis at all. And going from up to down, we have good mental health or a good state of well-being. So that's characterized by kind of performing to the best of your own abilities, coping with the stresses of day-to-day -day life, working productively and fruitfully, contributing into your community. I guess that's what the Bible would call flourishing or what we might call thriving. 
and then it goes down to having poor or minimal mental health at the bottom. And the first thing I like about this diagram is its continuums. You know, we're not at one stuck point. Over the course of our lifetime, we'll go up and down and left to right on this diagram. And secondly, what I really like about it is it shows that mental health isn't just whether or not we've got a mental illness. So, for example, you can see some people up in the top left-hand corner might have a diagnosed mental illness, maybe even a really severe one, like a psychosis. But actually, they're managing it, they're taking their medication if they need to, they're getting on with what they do in their day-to-day -day life, they're contributing to community, and they're getting on fine. But other people might be right down in the bottom right corner. They might never have been diagnosed with a mental illness, but actually, day-to-day, -day, they might really be just struggling and just trying to get by and trying to cope. And so today, we're talking about being mentally healthy. So not whether or not we've got the mental illness, but how we're doing, how we're coping generally. And I think this is particularly relevant when right now we're coping with a global pandemic, which, in my opinion, does not fall under the stresses of normal day-to-day -day life. Okay? Many of us are struggling with emotions and life in a way we've never had to before because we're faced with a situation we've never faced before. So thank you, you can take that slide down now, that's great. So question two, why do we need to talk about it? My first instinct is to say, look at the statistics. You know, look at the one in four of us who this year are gonna have a diagnosable mental health illness. Why don't we look at the cost to our relationships, to our work, to the economy? It's 105 billion per year in the UK, just so you know. We can look at the fact that suicide is still the leading cause of death for men under 45, and it is the leading cause of death for mothers in the first year after having their baby in our country. And we can look at the oncoming storm which health providers have been predicting and are now seeing following COVID. And that's not least because we know that with an economic downturn comes higher poverty. With higher poverty comes poorer mental health, and with more mental health issues comes more problems, obviously. And that's even without considering the trauma and the grief that many of us have been through. And all this is true, but it isn't why we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it because I believe God has something he wants to say to us about it. Because mental health and our well-being is a topic which God has an opinion on. And what he has to say is important, not only to us, but to our whole community. So for my introduction today, we've discussed what we mean by mental health, and we've clarified that we're not talking about a lack or not of mental illness, but about our general state of well-being, allowing us to flourish and contribute and cope. And we're talking about it not because it's an issue in our society, although it is, but because God would speak to us on our mental health. So what does he want to say? I started by asking him, Father, what do you want to say to us here in City Church, May 2021, as we come out, hopefully, of a global pandemic. And I believe he said two things. First, that it is okay. How you are feeling, that's okay. There is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no problem with you experiencing the emotions that you are experiencing right now. And secondly, that we, church, have a place to play in helping our city at this time. Now that latter statement, I'm gonna leave for the application at the end of the preach. But going back to the first one, 
I know that's big. I know it's big to say that whatever you're experiencing is all right. And for those of you here who know me well, who know my own history with depression and stress, you'll know that that is something that I often struggle to believe. Because you see, deep down, if I'm really honest with you and if I'm really honest with me, sometimes I think my emotions are not okay. That actually it's bad or it's wrong for me to feel certain things, particularly anger and sadness and anxiety. And yet when I look at the Bible, this isn't what I see. First, I see a God who is described as having emotions. Now, we believe in a God who is spirit. He doesn't have a body or hormones or an endocrine system to have emotions with, as we do. But one thing the Bible writers have always done is to use human terms we can understand to describe the character and the intentions of God. So, for example, in Genesis 1, God walked in the garden. In Psalm 136, God has an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. It doesn't mean our Father God has a physical body, but in our human brains, we need this language to understand God's actions and his intent. And in a similar vein, God is described as having emotions throughout the Bible. Now, God is different to us in his impassibility, his unchangingness. Of course, God's moods do not go up and down with the situation and the weather and whether he got enough sleep last night and his blood sugar levels. But God similar, is similar to us in that he feels. He is no impersonal force, but a full person, including emotional responses to people and to situations. Our God is described as a God of love, of jealousy, of anger, of compassion, through the prophets, he expresses both deep sadness and great joy. So if we could put up slide three next. Um, so when this one comes up, oh sorry, the next slide, slide two, that's my fault. See my changes. This is an emotion wheel. And this one includes some of our bodily physical emotions. So it's got the main emotions around the center and then some more unusual ones or ones we don't use the words for as often, and then round the edge, it has some of our physical reactions. Now, of course, God doesn't have those human bodily reactions around on the third center, but if we look at the first inner two wheels, we can see that many of those words are used of God throughout the Bible. And, you know, we know that we're created in his image. Actually, all of our emotions, just like our capacity for love or creativity, relationship and work, they're part of the way in which we reflect him as our maker. He has made us to be emotional. Emotions are part of our physical makeup. We feel them on our body. So those outer ones on that edge of that wheel, you might respond to some of those or recognize some of those feelings. And we have emotions as a means of reacting and responding to the world he's given us. To be in wonder at a new dawn, to feel sad at loss, to feel angry at injustice, to be happy when absorbed in a task or excited at good news. Emotions are a gift to us. They help us understand how we feel about situations and people, and they help us to identify what's important to us. You can take the slide down now, thank you. Emotions are also part of our communication with other humans. If I see you pull a face when you eat a lemon, I know something of how it tastes. If I see you laugh at a funny film, I get a sense of not only your sense of humor, but who you are. 
to laugh together, to cry together, creates community. And Paul touches on this in Romans when he tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So emotions, all our emotions are part of our God-given humanness. They help us to respond and react to the world. They give us insight into what matters to us and who we are. And they help us communicate and build relationships with each other. To have emotions is part of what it means to be human. And we see this most perfectly in Jesus, who was in very nature both God and fully human. And Jesus had emotions, both the impassable, unchangeable emotions of the Father, that never-ending love and compassion, the zealousness and anger of righteous wrath, And he also had that body-filling, endocrine reactions of a human who feels pain and cold and hunger, as well as warm hugs and jokes and surprises. I don't know if anyone else here has seen The Chosen. We've really been loving that recently. And one of the scenes I loved most was how they depict Jesus' sense of joy and his sense of humour overflowing Peter's boat with fish. And in the Bible, we see Jesus as a boy confused. We later in life see him amazed at the centurion's faith. We see him full of joy as his disciples return from mission and fearful and overwhelmed with sorrow in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see him full of compassion for crowds and for individuals. We see him angry in the temple and disappointed with his disciples. Just as for God, just as for us, Jesus' emotions teach us something about what is important to him and helps us to know him better. So, if God has emotions, if he created me to have emotions, and if I see Jesus, the perfect human, who never sinned, have emotions, then experiencing emotions, all emotions, is part of what it means to be human, and is not, and cannot be, in itself, sinful. But... I hear my internal critic saying, but surely, Clary, if you were a good Christian, then you ought not to be sad and depressed and angry and worried. Surely if you really had faith in Jesus and in his salvation, you wouldn't feel all those things. So to answer my internal critic, I want to turn to the story of Jesus and his good friend Lazarus. This story is recorded in John chapter 11. I'll read it out if you'd like to follow it along in your Bible or on the screen. Now, a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, is the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? And Jesus answered, They're not 12 hours in daylight. Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night they stumble, for they have no light. And after this he went on to tell them, 
Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of Lazarus' death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so you might believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews, who'd been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they said. And Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And therefore many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Now this story takes place, as far as we know, towards the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. 
Jesus has formed good friends, siblings, who live in Bethany, Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus. And we do hear about them in other stories. And John tells us that Jesus heard his good friend Lazarus was sick. And on hearing it, he stayed where he was two days, and then, when he heard from God that Lazarus was dead, he traveled to Bethany. And when Jesus gets there, and he gets to the tomb, he sees the grief of the sisters and the people who mourned Lazarus. He sees the tomb where his friend has been buried for four days. And we're told Jesus cried. Jesus cries in grief, in sadness and in anger for the sister's loss, for his own loss, and at this death which removes his friend from them. But what strikes me most about this story and about Jesus crying is that he already knew the end of the story. And what do I mean by the end of the story? Well, you see, on this earth, we have only one life. And when we die, the Bible tells us that we will stand before God and face judgment for the life we have led. The reality is, is that for all of us, we have fallen short. None of us are good enough in our own self. None of us can honestly say we've never sinned. We've hit the standard. And the fair and the just response for the sin and the wrongdoing in our own lives is punishment. It is eternal separation from God. But God loves us. He created us and he knows us. And therefore he sent Jesus to earth to live and to die on our behalf. By his death on the cross, Jesus would take our sin, our punishment on himself. And in exchange give us his righteousness. And by his resurrection from the dead... God will declare Jesus' sacrifice to be effective, his position as the Son of God to be true. And therefore, as we place our trust and our hope in Jesus, then it means we're joined in him. His death becomes our death. Our punishment becomes his. And his resurrection, our resurrection. So for Christians, death isn't the end of the story. We know that after our life here on earth, we will be raised to life. And we'll be seated eternally with God in heaven. We know the story doesn't end in grief and sorrow, in pain and suffering, but in eternal joy and peace, in love and security, in belonging and restoration. That's the end of our story. And we know that Jesus knew this too as he cried at Lazarus' tomb. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He says at the start of the story that Lazarus' illness is for the glory of God. And when he heard that Lazarus had died, Jesus said, I go to awaken him. More than that, Jesus knew that he himself would die and rise again. To Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And even more than that, Jesus knew that through his own death and resurrection, the power of death was going to be defeated for all time. He says, whoever believes in me, even though he dies, shall live. And even then, after saying all this, after knowing all this, even knowing who he was and why he was there, even being in himself the immutable and impassable God eternal, Jesus still wept at the grave of his friend. And Jesus wept because he is in very nature God, who responds with anger at the sinful, violent tyranny of death 
and, as Jeremiah tells us, responds with sadness at separation from those he loves. And Jesus wept because he's human. Because to be human means to be sad and to be angry. It means to have hormones and a brain and a body which is wired up to feel loss and to feel pain and to feel sadness because we're made in the image of God. And that is what God wants to say to us today. It is not sinful and never can be to feel an emotion, even when they seem at such odds with the end of the story and the hope we have in Jesus. And of course, there is a discussion about how we respond to our emotion and what we do with it afterwards, but that's a topic for another day, perhaps. For today, what God would want to tell us is that your emotion is okay. However you feel on this day, coming out of lockdown, it's okay. So I'm going to ask the visual guys if they can put up the responses to the question we asked earlier. And it's quite interesting, isn't it? I guess if you have a look at that, maybe you can see your answer. Maybe you can see someone else feels the way that you feel too. Perhaps there's some answers on here which are entirely opposite to how you feel and you're sitting there thinking, how can anyone else feel like that? I think there's possibly been a dominant story told in society of relief and freedom. People queuing to get a pint at midnight and gathering in clubs. And yes, among us we can see that excitement and that relief and that happiness. But we can also see exhausted and anxious and worried and pressured. We're all going to feel different. We've all been on different paths. We started at different places. And coming out, we're all going to face different challenges. And all of these emotional reactions are valid. They are all okay. Thank you. You can take that slide down now. So now we know this, what do we do? Let's move on to the last section of the preach and to the application. Firstly, how does it feel to hear that your emotion is allowed? It's okay. You might need to dance and celebrate. You might need to cry right now or later, and that's fine. Maybe you just need to tell honestly, be able to honestly tell someone, this is how it is for me. And maybe you need to be able to tell God that. We're going to have the musicians up again after I finish, and I'd ask you, maybe that is a moment where you can tell Jesus, honestly, how you're doing right now. The Bible has a great history of people being honest in all their emotions before God. It is the safest place and the best place. And if today, or where you are right now, or the people you're with, it doesn't feel like that's the right place to do that, then we just want to let you know in June we're going to be holding a service of lament where we all join together to grieve and to grieve with others. And everyone is very welcome to come and be part of that as we think back over this last year. I'd also ask... Can we make church a safe place for us to tell each other? Perhaps this week, in your connect groups or Zoom or WhatsApp or those precious face-to-face -face moments, how would it feel to make space to ask someone honestly how they are and be able to listen and hear their answer in all its truth? And it might be similar to yours. It might be wildly different, and that's okay. And it doesn't need an answer. It doesn't need fixing 
or reminding of the end of the story and the hope we have in Jesus. Because we know that. The real challenge is just being able to be honest and have time to feel what we feel. And if you're not sure who to go to for that, or you'd feel easier telling someone else, then call us at the church office or email us on pastoralcare at citychurch.org.uk and we will get in touch with you. And I think this is where the second thing that God said to me fits in, that we, church, have a role to play in our city. I think God would ask us, can we extend this courtesy to those who aren't here as well? Community and hospitality is part of God's heart. And actually, our next teaching series on Jesus eating with each other, is, eating with people, is going to focus on this. As church, we exist for the benefit of those who don't yet belong. And I think God would ask us if we could extend our listening outwards to our neighbours, our colleagues, our family and friends. This is a moment where we can offer a space to ask and to listen, to really hear how someone else is feeling without judgment or needing to find an answer for it. Let's recognise the humanity and the image of God in everyone around us as they have their emotional reactions to this time. We can struggle especially when others are sad or anxious, to hear their emotions. If you're anything like me, your impulse will be to fix it too, to jump to the end of the story when it's going to be all right. But Jesus took the time to cry and to feel alongside the mourners at Lazarus's tomb. It's okay for us to take the time to have our emotions. And one final but what if. What if you've been feeling like this a long time and actually you feel stuck? Or feeling like this is getting in the way of you moving on and returning back to work and your activities? Would you not the first step's the same? Tell someone. Just be honest with how it is. And if it is continuing to be an issue, and you know what, there is absolutely no shame in that, then there's support for that. Some of us are going to need more help at this time, just like with everything else in life. And asking for a bit of help or support is a great thing to do. And again, you can chat to your Connect group leader or you can email us here at the pastoral care team. So, to summarise, today we've looked at what it is to be mentally healthy, to flourish, regardless of mental illness or not. And we've looked at what God would say to us, that it's okay to feel however we feel. And we know this because we're created in the likeness of God as emotional beings. Emotions, all of them, are normal and healthy ways to respond to our world and to communicate with others. And Jesus, our example in all things, is also our example in this. He felt and expressed many emotions, even when he knew the end of the story. And therefore, it's okay to feel as we feel. And one way we can love and support each other as we come out of this lockdown is to provide a space for each other and for those around us to acknowledge and feel their emotions. So let's turn to Jesus now as the band come back to play and take a moment to be real with how we are before him. Mm -hmm.